With summer closing in, I am so ready to ditch my cold weather clothes and say hello to shorts and tees. But I don't want to just buy what's trendy. I want to update timeless, high-quality summer pieces that I can utilize for all seasons and years to come without spending a fortune. And now I've got a lineup of beautiful clothes from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, Blouses and shorts from $30. That's what I'm talking about, babe. There's washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less oh than gosh. similar brands. It's actually because they partner directly with top factories, so Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. I actually just ordered their linen shorts, tops, and pants that I plan to wear for this summer because they're lightweight, and I'm so excited to get them and start planning my Quince capsule wardrobe for my summer travels. Honestly, I have so much Quince clothing, and I love it all. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com husband for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash husband to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash husband when you're traveling do you ever stress about what's happening back home like did you forget to lock up or leave a window open that's why we totally suggest getting simply safe home security today for top-notch security and peace of mind no matter where your summer adventures take you that's actually such a good point i think that is one of the main reasons peyton and i love simply safe as well is did I lock the front door? Did I do this? Is a window open? You can just tell exactly what's going on in your home. Right. And I, I know like when we travel, it is so nice to just have that peace of mind to know that your home is okay. There's also a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras that we've installed. So we have view of our entire house, every entry point. Plus, I just feel relieved knowing that it's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash husband. There's no safe like Simply Safe. everybody welcome back to our podcast this is murder with my husband i'm peyton moreland and i'm garrett moreland and he's the husband and i'm the husband i'm really excited about our case this week it was suggested to us by one of our listeners from israel i have to preface that this case is detailed and heavy and probably deserves a whole entire podcast dedicated to it i am going to do my best to sum it up into one episode for you guys that being said there will probably be details that you might have wanted to discuss further but we don't get into it so please go online to our social media accounts it's murder with my husband on facebook instagram twitter and drop your ideas there we can all discuss it and if you have anything to add please please do it I have to say, you guys are amazing. For this case, I was actually able to hop on an hour and a half long call with the listener in Israel who suggested it. Yes, it was midnight there and the middle of the day here, but she gladly talked to me. She gave me an inside look on this case, uh, cleared up some rumors, and answered all of my questions. Um, a lot of the information that I have actually came from her, and I really can't thank her and you guys enough this whole thing is wild. I can't even believe that I get to do this. Okay, so Gary, should we just jump right into it? Let's do it. 
Okay, so my sources are www.ynetnews.com, www.jpost.com, www.timesofisrael.com. There's a Netflix documentary on this called Shadow of Truth. So the setting is Katzreen, Israel, which is a village-like place in the north. It's December of 2006, and Ilana Rada arrives home for the day. She walks into her home and notices that her daughter's backpack, which is usually there, is missing. She calls out for her to no avail. Ilana becomes instantly worried and begins searching for her daughter. She calls her phone, hoping to hear about her whereabouts, but there's no answer. It's late, completely dark outside, and 13-year-old Tyir Rada is nowhere to be seen. Her father, Shmuel Rada, goes out into the night to look for her. Authorities are called and they begin searching as well. This kind of thing doesn't happen here. How could this young teenager just vanish? Ilana calls Tyir's friends and asks around, hoping, does anyone know where she is? But no one does. Both Shmuel and Ilana know something is seriously wrong. Search parties begin looking for Tyir in the cold of that December night. A neighbor and a group of people head over to um, Tyre's school, considering that this is the last place that she seems to have been seen. They look around outside where they find nothing, so they eventually head inside to Nafi Golan High School. They begin the search. Can you imagine searching classroom after classroom looking for this little girl? Okay, so you said it's a small village. Do you know exactly how small or how big it is? Um, the listener just said that at this time, she wouldn't say that there was a whole bunch of internet going on. It okay. was 2006, okay. which, I mean, internet wasn't huge anyways, genuine, like, then. But she was just kind of saying that it was, she She was the one who um, explained it as a village. That wasn't from the sources. She was the one who explained it to me as okay. that. She said she lived near this place, and she's never even visited there. That's how small okay. it is. Yeah, I was just trying to wrap my head around, mm-hmm. kind of trying to picture the, yeah. picture everything. Yeah. So, um, they're searching through the school. They can't find her. They make their way into a bathroom in the school and notice that all of the stall doors are open except one. So they check the handle and it's locked. And I need to mention here for our U.S. listeners, this stall is not like the hanging stalls that most places here have. It's a real door that goes all the way down to the bottom of the of the floor. Oh, okay. So basically it's like little rooms the stalls are little rooms with toilets in them except that the tops are open like ours Mm -hmm. so that so you could you couldn't crawl underneath the stall door but you could crawl above the stall door to get out does that make sense no it makes sense so someone in the group peeks through a crack and thinks that they see something in the stall uh the neighbor at this point crouches down putting his head into his hands he's pretty sure that when they get this door open he's not going to want to see what's inside oh wow Shmuel and Ilana Rada are waiting for any information on the whereabouts of their daughter when the news comes. Tair had been found in the third stall in the Nafi Golan school bathroom. She had been murdered. The media frenzy begins almost immediately. No one, not even family, was allowed to go inside the school. Tair's body was a gruesome sight that no one needed to see. Investigators claim that the scene was one of the most horrific they had ever seen. In the Netflix documentary that I watched, they do show crime scene photos, never of Tyre's face or anything, Mm -hmm. but it was bad. Like I was stunned about the amount of blood that was in the stall. They walk in and the bathroom looks fairly normal, just like a school bathroom. And then you get into, they open the door and you get into that third stall and it literally looks like a Saw movie. That's crazy. And I know we're going to get into it probably, but it's interesting that 
someone can be murdered at a school just considering you know how many people are there and secure there's exactly. just there's so much yeah, to no. it so this is what's kind of heartbreaking is these parents send their daughter to school mm-hmm. thinking she's going to be safe just for her to get murdered in broad daylight yeah, and never horrible. come home again mm-hmm. um tire had been mutilated stabbed and beaten Ilana says that after she found out, she doesn't really remember what else happened until about three weeks later, she was completely numb after hearing the news about her daughter. The schoolgirl murder, that's the nickname, spreads quickly through the media and everyone in the country was talking about the murder. The quiet town of Golan Heights did not know how to deal with this amount of attention. Public pressure on the cops was almost instant. They needed to find who the killer was and they needed to find him fast. Forensics collect blood, hair, fingerprints, and DNA evidence, but nothing that's going to immediately help them catch the killer. So they begin interviewing everyone in Tyre's life. Everyone is wondering how this could have happened. Uh, This school was actually fenced. There were hundreds of people at school, like you said. Mm -hmm. And there was even a guard at the school, like standing guard at the entrance. Do you know if it was like a private or public school? Do they... Did they have those over there? It didn't say. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, my listener didn't say anything about that. Uh Uh-huh. But, I mean, it seems like a nice school if it was fenced and, like, the picture of the school was nice. Okay. Um, Rumors start to circulate almost immediately about the murder. It's a small town. There was talk of a satanic cult maybe going into the school and killing her. Um, Another big one is, like, that there were mean girls at the school. So just a ton of rumors. Yes, just a ton of rumors immediately fly off. Um, the school psychologist claims to police, which I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like the counselor. Okay. Yep. You know how we have counselors? I yep. think it's similar. Um, they claim to police or she claims to police that she saw a suspicious and disturbed looking young man in the teacher's lounge the day of the murder. Okay. Um, oh, I do need to clarify right now. There was no sexual assault on okay. Tyre's body. So it was just a murder. It was just a murder. Not saying just a murder, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know but what I'm I mean. saying that there was not that um, extra level of sexual assault added into the case. Okay. So uh, the psychologist goes, I think it's the school gardener. That's who I think I saw, but he just looked super panicked and strange and just off. He looked off. So police immediately arrest the school gardener. Really? This is the first sign in this case that it doesn't take much evidence, just theory to accuse people. Yeah. So they arrest, the arrest is public knowledge. Um, police were wanting everyone to know that they are close, that they had arrested a suspect. But when they interview the gardener, they realize that he wasn't even at the school that day and his alibi is solid. So the police were freaking out, basically just trying to do whatever mm-hmm. they could to yeah, yeah. figure this out. So, yeah. So the gardener's released. And that actually means that the psychologist who said that she saw him didn't even see him because he wasn't even at the school that day. Police bummed out that this guy didn't work out, make a list of everyone at the school that day that they could question. Uh, On that list is a man named Roman Zadorv, a temporary tile worker who had just finished up his project for the school the same day of Tyre's murder. All it takes is the police to notice the small physical resemblance that Roman had to the school gardener and they bring him in for questioning. What? Cops immediately interrogate Roman. They ask him what he wore the day of the murder, and he says that he has everything at his house, but that he'd actually thrown out the pants that he wore that day because they didn't fit. They were too short. So police arrest him. Okay. <laughs> they hold him question- They hold him in for questioning for hours. Um, Roman claims he's innocent the whole time. He's saying it over and over. 
Police discover that Roman didn't have Israeli citizenship. He had he ha- actually was there on a working permit, which ended up being illegal. Okay. So he was there illegally. He was a Ukrainian immigrant. He was married and he was just working in this town. Upon further questioning, police discover that Roman collects knives. He hung them from his wall as decoration, just like Catherine Mary Knight did from our first episode. That's right. Um, A few days before the murder, Roman had actually searched online how to subdue an enemy with a knife. So police are like kind of onto this guy. Yeah. Uh, They find pornography in Roman's house, which they claim includes underage girls. So now they're like, this dude's a pedophile. Would that be weird to you? Um, The whole how to subdue someone with a knife? Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's weird. I think if you brought someone in for questioning in a murder and you found out that just a little bit before they searched that, I think that's definitely a red flag. Okay. But I mean... I've searched, I mean, like I'm searching murder all the time online. So I don't, I I mean, if if, like, if I was probably going in for questioning, police would probably look at me like I was crazy too, you know? No, I feel like sometimes I search things online and Uh, I'm like, if someone saw what I searched, they'd probably be like, what are you doing? Doing, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, I think it's a red flag in this case, but I also, it could just be a coincidence. I think you have to add everything together. I don't think that alone could convict him. Yeah. So, uh, Roman's wife, Olga, tells police that she knew about the murder of the little girl, Tyre, because Roman had actually received a call from his employer and he took the call out on the balcony so that she wouldn't hear. So when he came back in, he told her that his employer had just called and said that a little girl had fallen into the toilet in a bathroom at the school and so he didn't have to come into work. Oh, so he didn't even go in the work that day. Well, so, okay, so this, I was confused on this as well because it said they finished up his project, but this is the next day. Okay. So I'm not sure if maybe they were like, you need to go back and do something, or maybe he really wasn't finishing up his project. It was more just that week. I don't know. Like I said, this some of the sources in this case are translated over, and so the English is kind of broken sometimes, so sometimes it's hard to really get the true fact. So let me just clear this up. The employer called him the day after she was murdered. Yes. Okay. He took the call on the balcony. He So his wife couldn't hear, came back in. The wife was like, what was that? And he's like, I don't have to go into work today because a little girl fell in a bathroom. Got it. So when police follow up and talk to the employer, he tells them that he didn't even mention the murdered little schoolgirl on their phone call because he didn't even know about it yet. Okay. And so when police confront Roman with this information, he tells them, okay, it's true. My employer really didn't say anything about the bathroom. I just told my wife that. And they were like, well, why would you randomly say that a little girl fell in a toilet in a bathroom? And he said, well, I don't know. I just heard that this little girl had been murdered in a school, and I thought maybe that's what had happened. That's kind of weird. So at this point, police tell Roman that Tierra's blood was found all over his stuff. Uh, her blood was on his shoes, on his tools from that day, and Roman tells him, that's impossible. Like, it's impossible because I didn't kill her. That's literally impossible. Yeah. And um, he remains adamant that he did not commit this murder. He says, maybe her blood was in the men's bathroom because I went to the bathroom in the men's bathroom. Maybe I stepped in it or something and that's how it got on my shoes, but I don't know. Was it really all over his stuff or were they just trying to convict him? So they were lying. Okay. I'm, was, I'm ahead of the game. Yes, huh? yes. <laughs> but there was no blood DNA, blood DNA on his stuff. Okay. 
Um, but they can do that. Like even here, you can do that. You can lie about oh. that stuff to try to get a confession out because maybe it makes him sweat. And then he's like, okay, fine. I did it. You know, oh, I didn't realize you could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in interrogations, cops can bend the truth a little bit. So that night they put an informant in the jail cell with Roman. It's all recorded. You can go back and watch it. I watched it. Um, and they're hoping to get a confession out of him. Maybe putting up a guy that was in the same situation as him. Maybe he'll uh, confess what he did to this guy. So Roman asks the informant if police can fabricate evidence here in Israel. Remember, he's not from here. And the informant's like, no, they can't. So that blood was 100% found on your stuff. And Roman tells the cellmate, um, you know, well, the people at the school and in this town treat me pretty bad um, because I'm an immigrant and it kind of pisses me off a little bit. And he also tells him that he's had times where blood has rushed into his head and he can't remember his actions. He tells him that he's beat his brother so bad before, but he couldn't remember it. He just woke up and his brother was beaten. Um, He states that maybe he could have killed her. He's like, maybe I did it, but I just don't remember. And is this all recorded? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Didn't know if it was just that guy's word. Yes. So here's the thing, though. It's in Russian because they put someone in there that could speak Uh, his like soul language. Got it. So when I was talking to our listener, she said some people um, have said that the translations aren't completely correct. Okay. What the Israel police are being said was said in those tapes. Do you ever find that when you're traveling, you can't help but worry about what's going on back home? Like, again, did you remember to lock up everything or close all the windows? It's so easy for those little concerns to nag at you while you're trying to enjoy your trip. And that's why we highly recommend looking into Simply Safe Home Security today. It's all about giving you the top-notch security and total peace of mind, no matter where your summer adventures take you. It's like having that extra layer of protection so you can truly relax and enjoy your time away. You guys, I know that when we travel, it is so nice to just have that peace of mind. You know, it's not only for when you're home and you don't want someone breaking in, but like also when you're away from home and you just want to know that your house is safe. And that is what Simply Safe gives you. There's a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras we've installed. So we have a view of all our entry points. Plus, Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System 2024 by the U.S. News and the World Report. Simply Safe has given us and many of our listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at slash husband. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're jumping into an ad right now, and I, no joke, I've had this question I think about it all the time because I hate getting sick. Do you ever wonder why some people just don't get sick? One of the reasons you can help yourself from getting sick is Armra Colostrum. Okay, obviously I had no idea that colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and is an exclusive source of all the essential nutrients we need in order to thrive. So what's amazing is Armra colostrum is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 functional nutrients to strengthen your immune barriers, your body's inside suit of armor, and the first line of defense against harmful particles from the environment that can trigger inflammation and actually make you sick i'm not saying that it 100 works for everybody because obviously you never know but 
All I'm saying is I haven't been sick since I started taking it. Well, and the science behind it is so cool. Armor Colostrum strengthens all four layers of your gut wall, where 80% of your immune cells are housed, and it's a rich, exclusive source of antibodies that optimize your immune defense during cold and flu season. Plus, in clinical trials, bovine colostrum was found to be at least three times more effective than the flu vaccine at preventing the flu. We've worked out a special offer for... Our audience receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash husband or enter husband to get 15% off your first order. Again, that's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash husband. All right, you guys, Audible is your one-stop app for all things audio entertainment, from bestsellers and the latest releases to celebrity memoirs and gripping mysteries. Audible's library is brimming with countless genres to love and new discoveries to make. Dive into an unparalleled selection of audiobooks and explore exclusive Audible originals brought to life by top celebrities, renowned experts, and fresh voices. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Plus, you can enjoy unlimited access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts such as with my husband. Honestly, I love Audible because I will get into a story while I'm cleaning or driving. Sometimes I get so hooked listening to a story, I just end up finding new places to clean or just end up sitting in my car, which drives Garrett nuts, but I'm out there sitting there. New members can explore Audible free for 30 days. Also this March through May, the Audible sweep you into a realm of intrigue and suspense with their mystery and thriller collection, featuring exclusive new thrillers from their best-selling authors. Their selection is designed to captivate and surprise ensuring your heart rate remains as elevated as your imagination. New members can try Audible for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. So um, the weird part of all of this, and maybe later when we get further into this case, this won't seem as weird, but it was strange to me at first. So I'm just warning you if this is weird and strange and doesn't really make sense. It was that way for me as well. Yeah. So he starts to work out a confession with the informant because he's like, maybe I did it and I just don't remember. And maybe this is what I did. He says that he didn't even have to grab her because she didn't realize what was happening when he killed her. He claims that he had lied to detectives. He says that he killed her and that there were no eyewitnesses, but maybe he forgot to clean up the blood in the men's bathroom, which is probably how they got the blood evidence on his shoes. Um, And the informant and him stand up and he literally role plays the whole murder with him, holds him, says, this is how I stabbed her. I turned her like this. I did this. What? Yeah, this This is is all in the jail cell. Just out of nowhere, he started... Just saying, yeah, I did it, and this is how I did it. And they get the... Like, they he confesses in with the, the informant in there. Okay. So, the next day, cops bring him in, and he denies everything again at first. And they're like, hey, we heard you last night in the cell. And he's like, yeah, but I really didn't do it. Like, I, I was just confused. I was just saying that. I thought maybe I did it, and I didn't remember, but I really didn't do it. And they're like, uh, no, you did it. And so then, he's like, okay fine. I did it. Like I'm confessing. I did it. And he tells them that she had, when they're like, why, why did you do it? He goes, well, she swore at me. She called me a son of a bee and it triggered me. So I followed her up into the bathroom and I can't really remember anything that happened after that. Oh, so he left that part out though. Yes. So cops take him to the school, back to the school. 
They're like, you need to reenact everything. We're going to film it and you need to react how everything goes. This is so crazy. He went from, I didn't do it to mm-hmm. talking Within to this informant. Less than a day. This is, yeah, this yeah. is crazy. So less than two weeks after Tierra Rada's murder, they had arrested the killer. That's how fast they caught him was two weeks. Yeah. The next day, Roman hires an attorney and recants his confession. He states that he was under pressure and that the cops led him to say it. As he tells the story from his perspective to the public and to his attorneys, things really do stop adding up. In the interrogation tapes that are later released, Roman is pleading with them that he's innocent. I'm innocent. I swear I didn't do it the whole time. He's just like, I'm innocent. I didn't do it. The cops had him crammed into this little room and there are constantly more than one detective in there with him. And the whole time during the tapes, they're calling him names, degrading him, um, Mm. calling him like a Russian, yelling at him the whole time in his face. You're stupid. You did it. Just say you did it. You're stupid. You did it. And he's like, I didn't do it. And they're like, stop lying. You did it. They're just yelling at him. Which, I mean, there's been tons of cases in the U.S. where that happens and they actually didn't do it. They just... They just say they did because uh they're so tired. So remember that Roman is an immigrant, though, and he doesn't know very much Hebrew. Um, So there's a language barrier. There's literally a part in the tapes, and I watched these, where the cops tell him, you understand that you're a suspect of murder, right? And he goes, what does murder mean? He doesn't even know the word murder. Why didn't the cops bring in someone to translate? Because I don't think that they were really caring about Roman's side. They just wanted to arrest somebody. Yes, Yes. they were under so much pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, They just wanted him to say yes. And after figuring out that he lied and he said something about the bathroom and then that he had looked that up and the pornography and after all of these other things, I think they were like, yeah, we got the guy. Got it. And I mean, then he goes in with this informant and is like, oh, I've beat my brother before. Yes, he, and this is exactly weird. how I did it, you know. And that, so they're like, we really have weird. the guy. Yeah. So um, you can really tell during the tapes that he doesn't really understand what's going on. Like he just keeps saying, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. So the only time that we see him really talking is in the cell the with the cell, uh, the informant, because he's getting to speak Russian to him. So he's kind of more understanding what the guy's saying and everything. So now I'm going to tell you some more stuff that happened in in the the cell cell footage that comes out later. So the informant comes out and says, oh, this is what he told me. And then the footage comes out and it's like, well, he told him that, but there was more to the story. Got it. Okay, yeah, let's go. So in the cell, he says, he tells him, he's like, everyone says that her blood is all over my stuff. And I don't know, like maybe I did it and I don't remember... I just, I'm confused if they're not lying, if they're not fabricating the evidence, how is her blood all over my stuff? And the guy tells him, the informant goes, well, people kill all the time and don't remember that they did it. He's like, he like explains to him, he's like, they have these blackouts and they kill people and then they wake up and they don't remember that he did it. So he's like convincing him almost. And he goes, well, maybe I did it because there was this one time where I beat up my brother and I don't really remember it doing it, but I beat him up bad. Okay. And he's like, yeah, you probably killed her and don't remember it. It's always so hard. You need to look at the whole, whole story, story all yeah. the time. So he goes, you know, and I really did just throw out my pants because they were too short, short. Like, I don't remember them having blood on them or anything, but but maybe they did. And that's a normal thing yeah. to throw out your pants. He's like, maybe they had blood on I them think. and that's why I threw them out. But I don't remember that. I only remember throwing them out because they were too short. 
Got it. He's so confused. And you have to remember, he was just in an interview for hours with people speaking a language that he barely understood. It sucks. It's hard, too, because when people say, like, how he came back in and said, all right, yeah, it's fine. Like, I did it. Yeah. They just get under that much pressure. They're just Mm -hmm. over it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. But at the same time, he has said things. I mean, I watched the whole thing, and there were times I was back and forth. Uh There were times where I was like, why would he say that? Just, you know, the whole bathroom thing with the employer. How did he even know she was in the bathroom? Mm -hmm. Or did he really just think, oh, a girl was murdered at school. It had to have happened in the bathroom. Yeah, it's kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, his cellmate tells him, you probably don't remember doing it. Um, And then he goes, also, if you confess, your sentence will be shorter than if you go to trial. If you take this all the way to trial and you get convicted guilty, you'll get life. But if you confess now, tomorrow in the morning, you'll get manslaughter. That's only six or seven years. Uh, so they were so was the informant i mean obviously he was on the cop side yeah but it's just kind of interesting that they would go this far yeah exactly yeah so um the cellmate tells him um exactly what to say to the cops the next day they start working out the confession and it's getting pretty late into the night and this guy has been you know he's tired i'm sure and they start working out the confession and they're like He's like, go in and say that you didn't know what you were doing and that you are getting tired of getting treated like crap and that she called you a son of a bee and it just triggered you and that's why you had your blackout. And the, and they compare that's the two. That's so crazy. They compare him telling him what to say and then what he says in, with the cops the next day and they are almost word for word. That's so crazy. When we started podcasting, an online store was honestly the furthest thing from our minds. But now we're selling Murder With My Husband merch, and it's so easy because we use Shopify. And we really do. We use Shopify to sell our merch. I've been using Shopify for years, so it is absolutely amazing, easy to use, so intuitive. I love it. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And it's great because they grow with you. So whether you're just launching your shop or you've just hit a million orders they are there every step of the way shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36 percent better compared to other leading commerce platforms we've actually tried a couple other platforms before we started using shopify to sell our merch and shopify is just the best um i've been using it for years like i've said and I just love having control over it and being able to do what I want. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com husband. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com husband now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com husband. So before the cops take him back to the school to do the reenactment on the video, there's a part where they tell him, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to take you to school and you just need to go in and you need to tell, you need to show us everything that happened. And he goes, this is after he's confessed and he goes, okay, yeah, except for, I don't remember, like, I don't really know what happened at the school. And Um, they're like, Roman, knock it off. Stop lying. Just go (laughs) to the school and tell us what happened. He's like, but I, like, I, I'm telling you I did it, but, like, I don't really know what happened at the school. And so then they start walking him through, okay, well, did you lead her up the stairs? And he's like, yeah, I led her up the stairs. And then they're like, okay, and then did you go, like, in this stall? Did you go in the third stall? And he's like, yeah, I went in the third Why stall. Why is he just saying yes to everything? I think because he thinks 
that they have that blood evidence and that maybe he really did go in the men's bathroom and step on her blood. Cause I think at that point he didn't even know this was in the girl's bathroom. He's, he's almost convinced himself that he did, did it. it. Mm-hmm. And I think he really did think that, or yeah. he really did do it. Yeah. He totally did, convinced himself. I, I, like mm-hmm. I committed a murder. So Roman uh, or Roman's attorneys ask the police at this time if there's any actual physical evidence, like the blood evidence, or you know they know the blood evidence wasn't true, but is there any actual physical DNA linking him to the crime scene? And the cops are like, "Yeah, we found his DNA in the bathroom." And they're like, "Well, crap, Roman. Now we're screwed because you said you weren't in the women's bathroom, and now they found your but DNA I thought in the bathroom." They lied about that. They lied about the blood. Okay. They said they found his actual DNA in the bathroom. Um, so th- this is reported and they're like, yeah, he's the man. They found his DNA. The attorneys are like, Roman, we don't know what more, like much more we can do for you. Physical evidence. We can't really argue with that. And then it comes out that the police told the media that they found his physical DNA and they lied. Wait, so they did lie about it again, again. to the media. And to the attorneys, which is completely illegal. Oh, I would assume that, I mean, maybe it's the same outside of the U.S., but I assume a case would just get dismissed after that. You would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here it would 100% get dismissed because like, that's whoa, illegal. what's going on? Yeah, that's like completely, you, could, you literally can't do that. Mm-hmm. To an attorney, you can't lie. In an interrogation, you can bend the truth, but to the attorneys and to the media and to everyone involved, they were like, we'll find the DNA. They were testing it. Mm-hmm. So they were like, it's going to be his. So we'll just say it was his. And then the testing came back and it wasn't a match. It obviously wasn't his. Yeah. So there was hair, shoe prints and blood everywhere. And none of it was linked back to him in the bathroom. Okay. Um, they took Roman's washing machine apart and found absolutely no evidence of Tyre in it. This is such a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. There was no blood anywhere on his shoes or clothes, um, but there was blood everywhere. So how did he not get it anywhere? They literally took his wedding ring apart to try to find her blood DNA. And there was no DNA in his wedding ring. Um, And so there's also no motive. Like the, uh, what he says in his confession was that the motive was that she was being racist against me, but that's not, I mean, uh, is she's a teenage girl and her mom and dad came out and said she didn't cuss. So there's no way she would have called him that. Like that wasn't usual behavior so for her. Why did Roman say that whole part? Why did he say, well, she called me a B word. He, the informant said, well, do they treat you like crap here? And he said, yeah, they do treat me like crap here. They treat me bad at the school and it does piss me off. They, cause I'm an immigrant. And he said, well then tell them that's the reason why you blacked oh, out. So he made that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. So he said, yeah, I do. And, and, and our listener said, no, it's true. Like there, no, that happens hundred percent. Yeah. So also the week of the murder, Roman's son was born and his Israeli citizenship was just finalizing. So there really was no, like why screw it all up? There was no motive at all. He just had a newborn. Yeah. He, he, he was married. Um, over 700 people who were convicted of murder in the United States have been proven innocent. That's so interesting. I mean, well, maybe we'll cover it at some point, but that one in Idaho Falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one in Idaho Falls. He confessed 22, I think it was like 20 years later or something. Well, he went to jail. Yeah, he went to jail. He sat in prison. And right after he confessed, the next day, same exact story. The next day he said, wait, I didn't do it. I just, I was tired. I thought I was going to get out. They yeah. told me if I did it, I wouldn't go to prison. Like if I signed the paper saying I did it. 
and he and he sat there and then they retested the dna 20 years later or so and he was like innocent yeah that's crazy they let him out and he was like i just i confess because that's what they told me to do yeah it's so crazy so um another another thing about the cops is they offered him money if he would confess they said if you confess we'll give you this amount of money which i feel like that's like completely illegal i don't really know and another thing is that his confession and reenactment didn't add up. So what he confessed was that he followed her up the stairs. But then when they interviewed two of the classmates, they said that they actually saw her going up the stairs and no one was following uh, her. No one was around. Like people actually saw her go in the bathroom and they said that no guy was following her up. But in his confession, he said he did that. So another thing is, so the police were uh, kind of coaching him before they go do the reenactment. They coach him about what he's going to do when he gets there. Because remember, he's like, I don't even know what happened when I when I like at the school. And, and the problem is in their coaching, they actually made a mistake. So they told him that the murderer was on uh, this floor, but it was actually the wrong one. And so when he gets <laughs> oh there, he leads them up to that floor and there's no bathroom and it's the wrong floor. And so then the cops like turn around and then they just turn back around and go back down the stairs to the right bathroom. So what is the jury and everyone thinking about this? At so this point? there's no jury in Israel. Oh. That's, it's just a judge. Well, there was actually three judges. There's three judges and it's just the lawyers have to convince the judges. Isn't that kind of scary because it can be corrupt? Oh, right? totally. Totally. No. When I was li- talking to our listener about this, she was like, I see both sides. She's like, you know, I wish there were jury because then it's not just, a, you know, up to the police basically, mm-hmm. because the court's always going to take the cop's side. That's just how it is. And she said that actually at one point in Israel, they had like a 99% conviction rate. Oh, that, that's So if horrible. you went to trial, you were almost 100% getting convicted. Yeah. Um, but she said then at the same time, though, in America, you guys do let off a lot of people who yeah. are guilty. That's true. Because it's a jury and they're easily swayed and all of the, and I was like, it's true. Like we have mm-hmm. let off people who obviously did it both totally have their pros and cons Mm -hmm. it's a good point so uh here's some things that um didn't really add up once they got all of the evidence and everything back um they ask him what position he left her in when they're interviewing him and he lays down on the floor and he's like this is what i left her in and they tell him no roman stop it do it right tell the truth so he gets up and he's like well I don't really know what position she was in. He doesn't say that, but he's just standing there. And they kind of like help him get into the position that he they, she was in. Yeah. So he literally said she was on the floor, but she wasn't. She was on the toilet. It's, this is crazy. Um, They also ask him where he wounded her. And he kind of guesses. He's like, well, I think I stabbed her in the stomach. And then I think I stabbed her on the shoulder. And they're like, no, where else could you wound someone? Could you wound him on your arm? And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I wounded her on her arm because she threw up her arm in self-defense and I cut it. Is this all being recorded yes. or how? Okay. Yes. And they're like, yes, yes, you did wound her on the arm. But then all the evidence comes back and the cut on the arm happened after she had died. So there's no way she could have thrown up her arm in self-defense. It's kind of funny to me that the cops even think that this can hold up with I know. everything going on. He also says, okay, also I didn't rape her. So if, you know... Um, she was raped. I didn't rape her. And that was someone else. And I'll give you my DNA. I killed her, but I didn't rape her. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, we know you didn't rape her. She wasn't raped. We believe you. So he was scared that she was raped. And he was like, I'll say I killed her, but I didn't rape her. 
Like he didn't want to, he didn't yeah. want to. And he, if he had killed her, he would have known that she wasn't raped. He yep. wouldn't even have had to say that. Um, the knife he says that he used didn't make the wounds on the bo- on the body. It was like a serrated knife, and he was using like a Japanese knife that's just a straight like uh, skinny knife. And so forensics came back and were like, that couldn't have been the knife that he used. Um, so all in all, these were the main things he got wrong. He didn't follow the victim up the stairs. He got the location of the murder scene wrong. He got the victim's position wrong. He got the location of her wounds wrong. He got the sexual assault wrong. And he also got the murder weapon wrong. I mean, I know we're not finished yet, but it seems like there's no way this guy could have done this. Uh, I mean, so his trial begins July 2nd, 2007. During this, uh, Tierra's mom decides Roman did not do it. At the trial, she's like, there is no sufficient evidence. This is bogus. Oh, the actual mom yes. or the girl? You guys coached him and go out there and find, find the actual, the actual guy. Um, prosecution presents uh, some new evidence from crime scene photos. La-di-da-di-da. They, go, they try to convince the judge. They end up convincing him. He gets sentenced to life in prison. What? Mm-hmm. How does that even happen? They brought in a guy who was like, look at this blood stain on her pants. That's his shoe print. Even though there were three other shoe prints in the blood in the actual stall that didn't match his. How can the cops even think he did it? That's so messed up. Well, I think we see, I mean, this happened also in the Idaho Falls case. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't want to admit they made a mistake. Yeah. They've pushed this guy. They've released things to the public. They've basically said, he's our killer. Let's wrap it up and put a bow on it and get a gold star for doing our job. And if if it turns out that they're wrong, they've, they've got an ego. They don't want to crazy. admit it. Um, cause I understand when there's, you know, little things here and there, but this seems pretty, pretty obvious, obvious that he didn't do it. I mean, there was things though. Like I, I do think that him getting up and saying, actually, I lied to the cops with the informant. This is how I killed her. And like showing how yeah. he killed her was weird. Um, also it comes out at trial that the pornography that they said was underage girls wasn't underage girls. It was just okay. regular porn, which makes sense to me because my biggest thing was why kill her? No motive, and he didn't sexually assault, and I know this is horrible, but normally yeah. people kill so that they can sexually assault. A guy would kill a young girl because he's a pedophile and he wants to sexually assault her. Mm-hmm. There was no sexual assault. So I, I think that's even weird that they tried to play him as a pedophile because he didn't even do the thing that he would be killing for yeah. if that's the case. Um, he has used up all of his appeals what you're kidding me and it got taken to like the supreme court of of israel not even the Uh town of the country and they still said two to one they denied him oh my gosh so he's just in prison still they're working on getting it retried for new evidence um they've like tested all the hair there was so much hair found in the bathroom in her hand clumps of hair all over you can see it in the crime scene photos that's how much hair none of it belongs to him it's all long black hair like a woman. So I think what the scary thing is, if it's not him, the killer just got away. So in the small town, um, the documentary, the last episode of the documentary, the attorneys find you a new killer. They say, this is who actually did it. They don't expose the name because she was taken in and questioned after he was already in prison for the murder and she was let go. But what happened was, um, years, years after the murder, this guy called the police and was like, I have information about her case. My ex-girlfriend murdered her. She came home that day, told me, showed me all of the evidence. 
and she murdered her and she's crazy and she talks all the time about how much she loves blood and that there's a wolf inside of her that like wants to kill people and slash people and I never said anything because it was hard and it was a toxic relationship but now that we're broken up I'm telling you so the cops go get the girl and uh they're like hey he said this and she's like no he's crazy he's just mad that we're not together and it was a toxic relationship she had claimed that he had raped her it was just a bad situation she's like now he's just trying to get at me and like frame me for this when i didn't even do it so then she's like no i don't even believe in a she-wolf i don't even like blood i don't even know what he's talking about couple months so the cops just like drop it couple months later she gets arrested. She went over to his apartment, almost killed him with a bottle. She oh. gets arrested, comes in and is like, I'm a she-wolf. I love blood. So the cops are like, what, what? in the Everything world? Everything he said might be true, yeah. but they brought him in, arrested him what? and said, you raped her, sit in prison, treated him bad, sent her to a hospital and never once looked back into it for the murder. So the listener that I talked to said she doesn't think that this girl did it. She said, I think this couple has problems. Mm -hmm. I think it was a toxic environment. Um, I do think, you know, she does have some mental health problems, but I don't think she killed her. Okay. So I, and I don't know. The evidence was pretty strong in the documentary, but also the documentary was biased. It was, it was framed to make you feel like she did it. So I don't know. It's so hard. That is a hard one. Well, it uh, it just it really sucks. I feel so bad for people that get wrongly convicted. convicted. And this woman, there's three people who have come forward saying that this woman confessed to them that she killed her. Are they going to do anything? Like Are, they're trying, they're trying, but think he's all out of appeals. And the Supreme Court has but already they have denied DNA. him. They have DNA still, right? They won't. They okay. Apparently, they lost the hair DNA. Oh, you kidding me. But they me. did, te- he claimed that she wore a wig when when his girlfriend went to kill her, that she put on a wig so that she wouldn't be recognized. One of the pieces of DNA that they tested was a synthetic hair. Do they, and they have it still? I I don't know. They, they, they aren't being completely open about what exactly they've lost and what they haven't lost. Wow, this is crazy. And it's hard, like there, it's hard to get the DNA tested. Mm-hmm. They stopped all DNA testing as soon as he confessed. Dang. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say because it just kind of stops. So the other uh, the other main one was that the classmates got con- uh, the classmates did it. There was she had been being harassed and it, OK, this was not for sure on all of the sources and it might have just been hearsay. But there were some saying that some of the mean girls at school had given her death threats Jeez. And so she had been like wanting to change classes and uh, had, I guess, just been being bullied. And the day of her murder, she told one of her teachers that she was scared of death and that she was down. Dang, it's like Lord of the Flies. I know. And so there were a couple of the classmates who a lot of scary. Uh, true crime people blamed and then harassed. And so these girls' lives like got ruined and still to this day like their uh name is tarnished there because a lot of people think that they did it Mm. and my uh personal theory on it is i don't know it's so confusing but i do think that it was a woman killer i think it was a girl what makes you say that and this is all just my opinion there's no Mm -hmm. factual evidence on this so if you don't want to hear it you can just stop listening now 
I think that the no sexual assault has a big part to do with it. Okay. Um, that's just based off of facts and off of percentage and statistics, right? Like we just see that. So I think it's a little weird that there was no sexual assault, but that the murder was so intense. It reminds me of the other friend murders that we've seen. Yeah, where they're just so mad. And so gruesome, but there's no sexual assault because that's not the reason they're doing it. And I'm not saying that her friends murdered her. That's Mm -hmm. not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I think they should look into the people at the school a little bit closer because I also think it would be weird for someone off campus to come in, stalk her until she gets into the bathroom and then kill her without being seen. The other major point about the friend thing is that five it was like between five and ten different girls went into the bathroom the time of the murder during the time that the, she was murdered and they didn't interview any of them they did oh but. but the girls were just like oh no one of the girls said that she knocked on the bathroom stall and that someone said it was occupied there was no blood that went outside the bathroom no because the person clogged the she put she or he put toilet paper down in between the crack in the floor and it soaked up all the blood. But I'm thinking even on your shoes, on anything, right? So there was the shoe prints. So you remember how the door was locked? Yeah. So the killer stood on the toilet seat, then stood on top of the toilet and then stood up on the wall and hopped over into the other stall and came out. And there were blood shoe prints all the way up. And so I'm like, how did, did they take their shoes off? I'm so confused. but And then it just stopped. There's no blood going outside the bathroom, I though. mean, I maybe a little bit, but not enough that's noticeable. Like, okay. that's what I'm saying in the crime scene photos. It looked pretty normal. And then it was just a bloodbath in the stall. Like, I don't even get it. And also, it, w- it looked like a struggle. So how did all that happen? And f- six to ten girls walked in and didn't notice that anything was wrong. Yeah, I don't know. So that's I'm why confused. a lot of people also think it was the friends, because they think all of the girls were in on it mm-hmm. and were coming in and out. I don't know how I feel about that theory. That seems pretty wild. I have no idea. But I, I honestly don't know. I don't know who it could have been. I really don't. I don't either. I'm pretty lost in this one. So the girl, the uh, the girl who um, like was crazy that everyone said did it and she told three people she did it but then said she didn't do it to the cops has still never confessed and the cops didn't really look into it. She went to that school. No way. So she told her boyfriend that she went back to the school, went in the bathroom, waited for the first girl to walk in and killed her because she wanted to kill. That's so freaky. Well, that's what the boyfriend said. She said, I think the only thing I know for sure. Okay. I'm not going to say no for sure, but I personal opinion is I don't think Ramon did it. I don't know. He's still in jail. He's still in jail. I don't know if I believe that he did it. I could be totally wrong. So you and all of Israel. Okay. There have been protests. There mm-hmm. have been petitions to get things relooked at, to get him released. Even um, rabbis here in the United States have written in and been like, you need to wow. release him. This is not okay. Da, da, da. And nothing. Yeah, nothing. That's crazy. She, uh, our listener, was base- was saying that it's a. this is such a big case because everyone thinks he's innocent, basically. And so she's like, it's a huge case because it's a huge injustice. Number one, he's sitting in prison for a crime that we don't think he committed here. And number two, her, it's no justice for her either because we don't have the real killer. Yeah. Her murderer could still be out. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty crazy case. 
So uh, her dad, Shmuel, um, died of cancer in 2016, um, only one day after a synagogue was dedicated and named after her. And this case basically tore him apart. I guess he got super sick after, and yeah, it just wasn't good for him. So oh, he man. passed, and yeah, rest in peace. And then Ilana is actually still fighting and trying to get this case reopened. Our listener said we don't see a lot of very vocal people who are involved in cases like parents like this over there, and that, that she has just been amazing. She has just been an activist fighting for justice, and she's still fighting to this day for her daughter. And that's the case of Tayerada from Israel. Wow. Uh, and I do just want to say again, this case, I mean, there was so much I didn't even get to get to in this case. So go look it up. Do your research. It is a it's a very involved and heavy case. So this was just the summary that we could give you on the podcast. Wow. That was a crazy one. I mean, it kind of sucks when you don't actually know what happened. I know. It's just and it's up in the air. It sucks because the whole time you're going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I'm going, well, maybe the girl did it. Maybe that girl, that confessed to three people supposedly did it or maybe roman really did do it because there was a a couple weird things about it or maybe it was the friends or maybe it was nobody you know like you just you you just don't know and that's the hard part is you're just going back and forth i will be posting everyone that was involved in the case and everything on social media so if you do want to put uh a face to a name go ahead and follow us on there it's murder with my husband on instagram facebook and twitter uh also we just appreciate you guys leaving reviews we appreciate the comments we appreciate the shares it seriously helps us out so much so if you haven't yet go ahead and do that it's it's really awesome yeah it's been super fun to see how this is growing and just how everything's kind of coming together. Yeah, not to mention that I literally got to hop on a call today with yeah. one of or yesterday with one of our listeners from Israel. Like, are you kidding me? No, that's pretty awesome. I answered the phone. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. She's like, I know I was just listening to you on the podcast and now I'm talking to you. It's weird. <laughs> that's it's, so cool. It's just crazy. I feel so, so blessed. But you know, I love it. And I hate it. Goodbye. Michelle and I am the host of Mystery Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries, both past and present. I have loved true crime for many, many years, which in fact fueled my decision to get a degree in abnormal psychology. On my podcast, we are currently discussing the most recent episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, but afterwards we will be talking about unsolved mysteries of all kinds. Find me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved and you'll never miss a single episode. I also continue to research long after we've spoken about the cases in our episodes to ensure that you are aware of any and all updates. Join me every Tuesday when together we'll discover 